Amen. So uh, Exodus 32 is a tough one um, because there are so many little studies. I say little, so many different points that you could really go into uh, a bunch of different studies uh, through. Uh, there are so many things in here uh, that we that we really could jump around and stuff. But the Lord has kept me, for the most part, uh, right here. But uh, all kinds of uh, different topical studies that could come out of this uh, this chapter. So, uh, but the Lord has given me, I believe, a um, concise but uh, but hopefully potent. Uh, I know the word is potent. So, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> A, uh, <clears throat> if I don't choke myself, uh, <clears throat> I forgot what I was saying. Potent, potent. yes. The, the, the word is potent, and um, I believe the Lord has uh, highlighted certain things, <coughs> excuse me, in my study uh, for us to discuss uh, this evening. So Exodus 32, a very familiar one um, for uh, many of us. To understand, uh, you know where, you know, what's happening as Moses is about to be sent down, <coughs> excuse me, by the Lord uh, to uh, the congregation, and to see the madness that's happening down there uh, as things are wrapping up <coughs> with uh, the Lord uh, and Moses up on the mountain. So, uh, verse one of Exodus thirty-two says, "Now." When the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come, make us gods that shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So we see in verse 1 the people uh, taking over. Uh, Mo, uh, Aaron and uh, her uh, back in uh, 24, Exodus 24, were left in charge while Moses went up to be with the Lord. So uh, the people saw that Moses was delayed. They say he was delayed uh, in their eyes, according to uh, you know their expectations. He was delayed. So uh, meaning, do we even know if Moses is coming back? Look, he's been up there an awful long time. Maybe he's dead. You know, they're, they're, the uh, them saying that he's delayed in coming down, uh, because I think if they if they thought Moses was still coming, they wouldn't have done this. But now that they're they're they've come to uh, their own conclusion that Moses is delayed, uh, then uh, they're saying, well, he's probably not coming down. So uh, Moses was the one leading us. Uh, so we need you to uh, uh, to to do something for us here and make us. God. So the people gathered together to Aaron, and uh, as I said, he and her uh, were put in charge of them in, in chapter 24. So uh, what we see here, what they're saying here is, come make us gods that we shall go before us. For as this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, uh, they're incorrect there. God was the one to deliver them. Moses was used to lead them forward. Um, but uh, God uh, was the one to deliver them, <clears throat> and not Moses. But essentially what they're saying is, we were following Moses. They don't say that they were following the Lord. Uh, and uh, so now they're saying, well, we don't have Moses in front of us, so now what do we do? Uh, so Aaron, we need you to make us some gods that, that need to go before us, and then uh, we believe that we're going to be protected. So they're sinning against God, and, and they demand Aaron uh, to make this thing. And, you know, uh, Aaron would have been the next one for them to consider uh, as a leader. But what they're saying is, is, hey, if you're the one going ahead, we still want some uh, a God to go before us. Uh, you, need, you need to make us something. So they want to fill a, card, uh, a carnal need to be able to see something. They want to envision uh, something. And uh, they basically what we've. What we've seen in them, we've seen their rebellion in, in chapter 17 when they didn't have any water. They're automatically crying out against Moses. And Moses is saying, guys, am I the one to provide for you? And then he goes to the Lord and, and, and the Lord takes care of it. But uh, this is just another example of their rebellion and unbelief. So uh, they want to see something, some sort of representation um, that uh, of, of, a, of a God uh, to follow. 
and uh, they so they ask for this, and um, they are accustomed to this in their lives. They're used to uh, the Egyptians and, and all of their pagan worship, and we saw the Lord pouring out his judgment against many of their gods, and uh, so now they're asking for the same type of thing, and uh, you know, the judgment and devastation that they just witnessed in Egypt um, should have been enough for them to learn better than this. You know, they should have seen uh, you know, how these these false gods, these idols uh, were dealt with by the Lord and, and uh, the torment for the, the people of uh, Egypt and, and what they went through. But ultimately, uh, their uh, request made evident that they, they didn't want to walk by faith. They didn't. They didn't want to actually exercise faith and walk forward. Still had the pillar of light, pillar. Uh, sorry, pillar of fire, pillar of smoke. Uh, they still had all uh, a, a, a head knowledge of everything that had uh, just happened and everything that they had witnessed here. But essentially, when they don't have Moses there to follow, they don't know what to do, and they don't want to walk by faith. They want to be able to walk by sight. I think many of us do. Uh, we want something that we can see. To, uh, to lead us ahead. But thankfully, the Lord calls us to, to, to follow him by faith. It uh, creates so much more character in our lives. We, we grow so much, um, so much more uh, when we can't see, right? That's when we, when we essentially are walking by faith. We're trusting the Lord uh, to meet our needs and, and to take care of everything that we need uh, in front of us. If we have something in front of us, then we're putting our faith and trust in something that that we can feel, that we can uh, that we can look at, and everything. And if that thing's not there, that thing becomes uh, the god to us, right? It becomes the idol. Well, I can't move without this, right? You know, it could be a special rock in your pocket or whatever. And what happens when you go swimming and oh, you lose your special rock? Now you're standing there and you're you're uh, completely uh, devoid of any. Um, uh, any uh, hope or uh, any sense of uh, you know, leadership in your life and all those things. So any of these things wouldn't be good for us. So uh, I love that the Lord tells us that we have to trust him at his word. Uh, you know, the Lord tells us that he is with us and he's never going to leave us or forsake us, right? So if that is the case, we don't need anything in front of us. So we, we see Israel here uh, failing in their promise uh, to the Lord to follow him. So uh, they didn't know how to walk uh, uh, by faith and, and to live by faith. I mean, uh, here's 40 days, and you know they still had all these reminders, uh, but it wasn't enough for them. Uh, they responded in unbelief, and they wanted something physical to see to follow. So verse 2 says, And Aaron said to them, Break off the golden earrings which are in your ears, uh, in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron and he received the gold from their hand and he fashioned it with an engraving tool and made a golden uh, molded calf <clears throat> then they said this is your god o israel that brought you out of the land of egypt so when Aaron saw it he built an altar before it an altar uh, sorry and Aaron uh, made a proclamation and said tomorrow is a feast to the Lord, so uh, it didn't take long for this this train to go straight off the tracks and flip over and crash. Right? You, you ever seen the wreckage of a of a train uh, train wreck? I mean, when you see that, we'll say things like, "Oh, that was a train wreck" or whatever. But there's great devastation when that goes on, and it usually is very fast. It doesn't take long, right? Uh, and that's what we're seeing here. The people demand it, and Aaron just jumps on board and. Uh, and just does it. We don't have anything saying here that he's arguing with them. In fact, when when Moses goes and talks to Aaron about it, uh, Aaron uh, Aaron doesn't say that he even argued with them. So Aaron uh, has everybody give uh, the you know, any of the jewelry, any of the the gold, and and he takes it, and puts it in the fire, and uh, it says that he uh, fashioned it with an engraving tool. So Aaron, instead of correcting them and, and redirecting them. Uh, to proper uh, focus and worship, he folded at their pressure and uh, gave in to the people's will. He failed uh, in his duties of, of leadership. His his uh, responsibility was there to reinforce uh, what God had said in you know God's laws uh, and uh, everything that they knew that the Lord had said. And he obeyed the voice of the people. And consider as we're reading that, and just kind of look back. 
So Israel saw all these saw all these things happen, but Aaron was one that would go in with Moses, and he would go before Pharaoh and declare these things. Right? They were standing there. They were a team that the Lord would use. Think of all those things, and all it took was people looking at Aaron, and he got intimidated, and he he uh, just didn't think he has any authority, uh, and goes and does uh, exactly what they ask him to do. And, uh, you know, it's a, a great example for us not to do uh, in our lives is not to buckle under the pressure. Um, remember years and years ago, uh, sitting in a, in a, um, a service when uh, Ken Graves was teaching and he was talking about um, the being a rebel. And I know I've shared this before, but I never know what service I've shared it with. But being a rebel, he's like, if you want to be a rebel, do what everybody else isn't doing. You know, because what he's saying is, is everybody wants to be a rebel. So everybody's going to act in that rebellious way. He goes, if you want to be a true rebel, then re, you know, rebel against the ways of this world and go and follow the Lord. Uh, Aaron, of all people that was left there, was to be the one to keep them in order. He just followed suit, jumped right on board and, and, and went and did uh, what he was uh, not supposed to do. First uh, Corinthians 16 uh, verse 13 says, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. You know, th th that's how we are to conduct ourselves, uh, regardless of what's happening uh, around us. We're, we're supposed to be strong and stand fast in our faith, stand firm in our faith. We're not supposed to be able to be tossed to and fro. We're not supposed to be able to pull, be pulled away from our walk with the Lord. Uh, we're supposed to, even if everybody else is doing uh, the wrong thing, we are to remain and, and to walk with the Lord. So Aaron takes the gold and melted it, and he fashioned it with an engraving tool and made a, a molded calf, you know, maybe after one of the, the gods of Egypt. And uh, Aaron uh, was not a skilled artisan. So he's doing this and uh, based on uh, the own uh, his flesh, he's he's doing these things, this work in his own flesh. Uh, Bezalel, who we uh, looked at last week in uh, Exodus 31, and uh, Aholiab were the ones that were the gifted artisans. They would have been the ones to have those skills. They did work, uh, as it says, by the work of the Holy Spirit. You see the difference there, right? Aaron, in listening to everybody else, has to do the work on his on his own and has to engrave this thing by himself. Bezalel and Aholiab are empowered by the Holy Spirit to do the ministry that God has them to do. So there's one at working in your own spirit and in your in your own power and in your own flesh, uh, doing these things in disobedience or doing these things according to what the Lord uh, has blessed you with and. and uh, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's the key ingredient to any successful ministry. Uh, anytime there's a uh, and godly ministry, I'll say that because a successful ministry, uh, even in, in today's world, would be there's a lot of people in those seats. That must be a successful church. Uh, there's a lot of people in Joel Osteen's church. Um, he is a heretic. He's a false teacher and uh, he uh, devours people's money and and uh, uh, you is a false teacher and uh, doesn't stick to the scriptures. He says things that are pleasing to people's ears and scratching their ears. That's that's what that man is all about. I hope he repents and comes back to the Lord or comes to the Lord. I don't know if he's ever known the Lord, <clears throat> but uh, you know, consider a church like that. You know that that the 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 whole focus is is uh, just prosperity and those things. And you know, we want the Holy Spirit to be our leader. Our, our leader, the 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 one. Uh, to to build a church, to lead and guide us. We don't ever want to uh, be the ones that are leading the way. We, we trust the Holy Spirit uh, to to give us what we need to minister and, and follow him and do as, as he tells us to. So Aaron is so far offline that he uh, builds an altar uh, right before the thing he just formed. He just formed this thing, and now he's building an altar in front of it. So... Um, and then he tells everybody that there's going to be a feast uh, to the Lord. I mean, this is polluted offerings. This is this is the wrong thing uh, that is being done and uh, worshiping based on the will of man versus the word of God. That's he's literally following man's will and and having rejected the word of God. And but remember, though, 
Uh, and a key thing to remember here is that Aaron's life is spared at the end of this. We'll, we'll see that. And uh, he's soon consecrated as high priest. You know, when we think of those things and, and, and what he did, and to understand that he was, by the, by the grace of God, not killed, and by the grace of God, still used by God. Uh, let that be an encouragement to us. You know, if we've been to a point where, oh man, I've messed up or anything, is the very first thing we should do is confess that to the Lord and say, Lord, I've sinned. I've, I've disobeyed your word, uh, and I'm coming for you, to you for, uh, for um, forgiveness and, and redemption and, and help. And the Lord will do it. You know, there may be consequences. There may be things that we're not going to enjoy uh, having uh, come from our disobedience. But the fact that we're still living and, and that the Lord's still using us is something to rejoice in uh, also. So Israel's playing the harlot here. Uh, they're committing adultery against the Lord uh, in practicing this idolatry. So their hearts are, are, um, are, are in the wrong place. Uh, a quick summary of uh, a, a New Testament um, review of this uh, was is from Acts chapter seven verses thirty eight through forty one when Stephen was speaking and he was he was speaking of Moses uh, verse thirty eight he says this is he Moses uh, who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai and with our fathers the one who received the living oracles to give us, whom our fathers would not obey, but rejected. And in their hearts, they turned back to Egypt, saying to Aaron, make us gods to go before us. As for this Moses, who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And they made a calf in those days, offered sacrifices to the idol, and rejoiced in the works of their own hands." You know, so, so what's being summarized there is saying that what really took place was a turning from the Lord in their own heart. They, they, they turned back from the Lord and back to Egypt. What was so familiar to them, right? Well, Moses is gone. What do we do now? And their hearts turned away from God and uh, wanted to go back to Moses. That's Stephen speaking by the power of the Holy Spirit uh, as he's speaking to um, the audience in front of him right before they stone him to death uh, for speaking the truth. Verse 6 says, Then they arose early on the next day, offered burnt offerings, and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down and ate uh, to eat and drink and rose up to play. So nobody woke up in the morning after sleeping on it and saying, What did we just do? You know, they all they, they slept. And early in the morning, they're getting up and they're they're all excited. There, there's an excitement. There's a buzz that's going on here, and they're going headlong into burnt offerings and peace offerings, and uh, with contaminated worship. This was this was uh, wrong. This was idolatry. This is uh, a bad thing that's happening. And it says that they rose up to play. Now the Hebrew word there means that there was sexual immorality as part of their celebration. Very disturbing. That was not to be a part. Uh, of the children of Israel. They were called to be different uh, than these nations around them. And it, it, uh, it will lead us to believe that they were involved in uh, drunken orgies. So they're, they're eating, they're drinking, and it says they rose up to play. First uh, Corinthians 10 verse 8, there's a, a phrase in here that says, uh, nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. Uh, as part of this, or what Paul was using to summarize what was happening there. And he just says, as uh, some of them did. Now, it says there, you may see there that it says 20,000, uh, 23,000 fell. And what we read in here is that 3,000 were slaughtered. Now, some believe that that 20,000 uh, really means Paul moving forward to people that had uh, been killed further on in the scripture from uh, sexual immorality or that there were some more, uh, like maybe because it says 3,000 men in here, that it was actually much more with the women that were partaking. We don't know, um, but there's some speculation there. But ultimately, when we get to the end of this chapter, it says that there were 3,000 men that died that day. Uh, but essentially, what it says here is, nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. Uh, now, that, that, that word there rose up to play. Uh, that's not, you know, getting up to you know, play horseshoes and stuff like that. Uh, the Hebrew word lends to that it was uh, it, it, it 
very well uh, may have been a sexual immorality uh, that was happening as part of the celebration. And then you tie that to uh, 1 Corinthians 10.8, where it says that they uh, committed sexual immorality in there also. So, verse 7. And the Lord said to Moses, Go, get down, for your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. So Moses is still with the Lord. Uh, we saw at the end of 31 that things were wrapping up. And now the Lord is telling Moses that uh, he needs to get down there for the people have brought um, uh, that he had brought out of the land of uh, Egypt uh, have corrupted themselves. So uh, they've turned aside quickly, the Lord says, out of the way which I commanded them. They have made themselves a molded calf and worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. So the Lord knows what's happening down there as he's up there with Moses. So we see that he's omnipresent. right? We, we know these things, but this is just a demonstration. He's also omniscient, and, and uh, he, he knows all things. So uh, the Lord is revealing to Moses, Hey, while you're up here having sweet communion with me, this is the chaos that's happening down there, and this is how bad it, it has gotten. So, uh, you know, what we see here in verse 7, the Lord is saying, Go, for your people of, uh, whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. You know, replacing the Lord with anything corrupts us uh, at, at any point. If there's something that we're replacing uh, the Lord as the, the most important thing in our lives, if we hit God is 1A and there's a 1B, then we're replacing the Lord with something. Uh, there, there's a problem there. The, God should be number one, uh, and there should be no uh, contention with the Lord. And when there is, there's corruption within our lives. So we're called to worship the Lord uh, as as we walk with Him in spirit and in truth. You know, true worship worship can't be duplicated. Uh, you know, it can't. Uh, it's it's always um, pure. Uh, anything other than that's always going to contain uh, corruption. It's it, there's going to be uh, a corruption that takes place when somebody is trying to uh, simulate uh, true uh, Christian worship and worshiping the Lord in spirit and in truth. So uh, the Lord says that they had turned aside quickly. Just uh, you know, months uh, had passed since their delivery, uh, deliverance, and. Um, them experiencing God's presence and, uh, you know, the fact that they would uh, hear uh, God's voice and um, that the Lord called them to, uh, the Lord said to gather everybody together in, in um, uh, Exodus 19, verse 5, the Lord says that there would be, uh, that they would obey his voice and to keep his covenant, that they were supposed to do it. Uh, and the Lord goes on to say in 19, you will be a special treasure to me above all my people. And in verse 8 of Exodus 19, it says, Then all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. So Moses brought back the, wor the words of the people to the Lord. They just said it. They, out of their own mouth, they, they were told to obey the Lord, uh, his voice, and keep his covenant. And they're like, yeah, gotcha, we'll do that. And, and shortly after, here's God sending Moses down to set everything uh, straight with them. So they, they had said one thing and done the, uh, the other. So uh, they even, out of their own mouths, their own words, uh, all that the Lord had spoken, we will do. Yeah, whatever you say, we are in agreement with it. That, that makes sense to us. We're going to do those things. And uh, here is the Lord saying uh, they're, they're not doing it. Just think, guys, everything that they had experienced, everything that they had seen, right? You guys know where I'm going with this next. You know, faith isn't, uh, isn't about what we see and what we experience. You know, faith comes by hearing, according to the scriptures, and hearing by the word of God. These people had no solid faith. Whatever faith they did have got rocked as soon as they realized, wait a minute, Moses has been up there longer than we'd really care for. So now here they go, and they're headlong into their idolatry. You know, unfortunately, uh, Christians can sadly fall into the same thing. You know, we can have great revelation uh, from the Lord and great victory at times, and in a short time, what ends up happening? Uh, we're not properly submitted to the Lord and His Word, and we experience tremendous uh, failure. You know, what are we told in the Scripture but to abide in Christ, just to walk with Him and, and continue on with Him, to avoid these things? 
right? Any man thinks he stand, take heed lest he fall, right? Got to be careful. We have to be weary. You know, how many times does the scripture say, do not be deceived, right? And tell us to be sober-minded, to be ready. All these things that, that are, are, are very important for us in our lives and our commitment to the Lord, that there wouldn't be corruption within ourselves, that we wouldn't turn aside quickly or turn aside even slowly. We don't want to turn aside. You know, the Lord is, is calling us uh, to abide in him. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and indeed it is a stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, and I will make of you a great nation. So uh, God uh, presenting to Moses that Israel uh, deserves to be consumed for their stubbornness. Uh, Acts 7 uh, verse 51 says, You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Remember, remember as Stephen is blasting them, and he's giving that sermon that we just read a little bit of, and you know, Stephen it gets to that point in verse 51 of Acts 7 saying, You're, you're acting just like your fathers did. You're stiff-necked and hard-hearted. And that's, uh, that's uh, they, they, they're, their stubbornness. Uh, and the Lord is saying here, indeed, it is a stiff-necked people um, that they're they're in their rebellion and they don't want to turn. Uh, we should not be stiff-necked. Uh, we've probably all in, had a stiff neck before, right? When you have a stiff neck, you don't want to turn, right? You've got that stiff neck. I mean, I used to get them all the time from not uh, not from football, but wrestling. Man, you know, I just when you're going all out and you know wrestling somebody, and I thankfully my dad was a chiropractor. So when I couldn't move, and I'm going, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> every move, every move hurts. And of course, when my dad would hear me do that, that's when he would press harder on it, right? So it was a little bit of torture there. But I, I you know, I would go from not being able to move, being stiff-necked, right? I, I, I you know, uh, the the implication is is that you're not going to be able to turn, right? You can't turn your head. You can't turn around, you know. Uh, you kind of walk like a penguin when you need to turn or you turn with everything here. Very easy for us to tell when someone has a stiff neck, isn't it, right? You're talking to them and you, you know, call their name and they're like, huh? And they're, they're doing one of these and we know it's there, right? It's, it's obvious within their lives. Uh, and uh, you know, no doubt, uh, spiritually for them, very obvious. And, and so the Lord says he's going to uh, pour out his wrath on them. And uh, and he even tells uh, Moses that he'll he'll make of him a great nation. You know, so God reveals his anger and, and he, he should be angry. It's an offense to him and it dishonors him and his name. And uh, they're called to be different. And, uh, you know, when we consider uh, what sin does, it you know, destroys uh, the person sinning and it separate it brings separation from him, so God uh, reacts in a very serious manner toward uh, sin and, and rebellion. And so, uh, if Moses was a selfish man and his heart wasn't set on the Lord, this would be great news to him. He's like, "Cool, you're going to wipe out all those guys, and then I the the promise would go on through me." Uh, you know, if he was a uh, a selfish man, that that uh, could have been very tempting for him. But Mo Moses, uh, the Lord was. Uh, making in him uh, the heart of a shepherd. And we see that here as we're going into it is that uh, he intercedes for Israel. He's a godly man. He doesn't want it to cost their lives. In verse 11, he says, then it says, then Moses pleaded with the Lord his God and said, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a, a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians speak and say, uh, he brought them out to harm them, to kill them in the mountains, and to consume them from the face of the earth. Turn from your fierce wrath and relent from uh, this harm to your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self, and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have spoken of, I give to your descendants, and they shall inherit it forever. So the Lord relented from the harm which he uh, said he would do to his people. So when it says here in verse 
uh, 11, where it says that he pleaded with the Lord. Literally, that means that he was face to face with the Lord. He goes right into the Lord as he was drawn in. He goes to the Lord and he's in the presence of God uh, and he's there and speaking uh, to the Lord. Now, when we when we get into, you know, when you consider what uh, verse 12 is speaking of, Moses speaking of the Egyptians, then dishonoring God, uh, you know, if he... Um, uh, the Egyptians, the the um, Israelites, dishonoring God, and if He was to uh, take them out, then uh, God would not be glorified, right? Because uh, when Israel, sorry, when Egypt was being destroyed, uh, the Lord would say that they may that uh, in Egypt that they may know that I am the Lord, uh, I the Lord am am God, right? So I. Uh, there, there was the lesson there to be learned that, that God was greater than um, all of the, the gods in Egypt. So uh, verse 13, if you look at that, and it's uh, where, where it says that, uh, you know, remember Abraham, Isaac, uh, and Israel, your servants to whom you swore by your own self. Uh, it wasn't that the Lord forgot his covenant with them. That, that's, that's not the case at all. But uh, no, Moses knew his character and to honor his word and his covenant. So Abraham reminded God of this covenant and, and uh, spoke of the glory that he would lose if the children of Israel had died. Um, understand this, that God is, is willing to listen to us uh, in his mercy and, um, and when we ask for his mercy. Moses is doing this for others. Uh, so he's, he's there interceding. Uh, for the children of, of Israel. And he spoke of the Abrahamic covenant. It's okay for us to uh, speak to God and remind God of his promises. And uh, it really reminds us of God's promises because God doesn't forget the promises that he makes toward us, right? So when it says here, so the Lord relented uh, of the harm that he said he would do to his people, right? So uh, God is showing his heart for the sinner uh, to repent and uh, when when we read that. So God doesn't need to repent like we do. Now, uh, like the King James Version will say, God repented. Uh, it's it's not the same word uh, for repentance there. Uh, and it's, uh, it's speaking, and, and really the essential thing is God wasn't going to wipe them all out, but he used this to show uh, Moses uh, his... Uh, how serious he was, which we, you know, that's already been demonstrated and everything there. But it's also developing a shepherd's heart within Moses. I mean, look at Moses. As soon as he hears that these guys are going to get wiped out, he's going right to the Lord and and asking uh, just for God's mercy to not wipe them out. And he's saying, hey, that wouldn't give you any glory and those things. And it's not like God's sitting there like, oh, you're right. I didn't know that, Moses. Thank you for telling me. No, it's it's very much developing the character and the leadership of Moses also as this is unfolding. Verse uh, 15 says, And Moses turned and went down from the mountain, and the two tablets of the testimony were in his hand. The tablets were written on both sides, on one side and on the other they were written. Now the tablets were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. So Moses is carrying precious cargo here. And imagine being able to actually see those, to lay eyes on them. That would be awesome. And uh, so the, 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 the writing of God, um, and I just, as I'm reading that, uh, I, uh, I think of, imagine what the penmanship looked like, right? Imagine, imagine seeing that stone, what it looked like with that perfect penmanship which I have none. I told you guys I have the penmanship of a second grader. Uh, they actually wanted to keep me back in, uh, you know, early elementary school because of my penmanship. And my mom's like, no, he can, you know, uh, he can do all their other these other things. He just needs because I did start school at four. Um, and I was one of the late. I was in October. I'm an October baby, so uh, so I started a little bit earlier, and I need a little more time to develop. And because of my penmanship, and <laughs> it's just never improved. I remember my uh, my uh, uh, ninth grade English teacher uh, just saying, "John, when you slow down and take your time, you actually have good penmanship." That doesn't happen a lot because usually when I'm writing something, I just want to get it out, and I just I have awful penmanship. But uh, I imagine uh, I know I'm just talking about that. You know, kind of um, doesn't really matter. It's not important. But imagine what these things looked like. 
you know, pageant. I mean, was there was there some artistry around it? Was there some sort of you know decorative thing? I don't know. But uh, uh, these tablets, what we do know is that it says that the finger of God, uh, uh, you know, made that. That's really cool. Verse seventeen. And when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, so as they're getting closer, uh, he said to Moses, "There is a noise of war in the camp." But he said, "It is not the noise of the shout of victory, nor." the noise of the cry of defeat, but the sound of singing I hear. So it was as soon as he came near to the camp uh, he, that he saw the calf and the dancing. So Moses became uh, anger, uh, became hot, and he cast the tablets out of his hand and broke them at the foot of the mountain. So so much for the tablets, they didn't last long. Whatever they uh, you know looked like, they, um, uh, they got broken pretty quick. So uh, there's a... Um, uh, Exodus 34, we're going to see that uh, there was um, another set that was made, and the Lord uh, helped Moses. He was the one uh, on this one, though. He was to cut out the stone, and then the Lord was uh, on Mount Sinai going to uh, write on them again. Exodus 34:28 says, So he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights, he neither ate bread nor drank water, uh, and he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. So uh, they they do, uh, he does get another uh, set of them. And, uh, you know, essentially when he's throwing those down, I wonder if when he threw those, it was Moses saying, these things don't mean anything to you. They don't mean anything to you. And he's chuck. I don't, I don't know. It's just speculation from me. You know, he's got those there. And he, this, this, the, I go up for 40 days and look at the craziness that's happening here. And he throws them down. And it says that Moses is hot. You know, that's, you know, you, you, you know what that means, right? I mean, his face is red. Uh, he is, he is very angry. Uh, and, uh, it says that when they could hear, uh, the, the singing and, and the, uh, the calf and dancing, there's a celebration here in rebellion against God's word, and Moses is having nothing of it. Verse 20, Then he took the calf which they had made, burned it in the fire, and ground it to powder, and scattered it on the water, and made the children of Israel drink it. So Moses, uh, this is, talk about something being utterly destroyed, throws it in the fire, and then it says he grounded it to powder, and then trying to make sure nobody could do anything with it at that point, takes it, throws it in the water. Not only throws it in the water, but makes him makes him drink it also. I mean, this guy is not one you want to you want to make mad. And uh, so there's an utter destruction of this idol. It's not coming back. Everything that was there is is gone. Uh, and uh, when he when he did that, you know, consider, you know, this thing they were all excited to to have in front of them and to follow as they were going to move forward, like God wasn't going to do anything, right? Uh, you know, you got the pillar of smoke and pillar of fire there, and they think everything's going to be the same. We just have these idols that we were told not to make that are that are here in front of us, this idol in front of us that's going to lead us, and God's going to be fine with it. No, even, even, even uh, you know, if if the, the intent was to, uh, to, to act as though, hey, we're still following the Lord. No, you're not, because he told you not to make a, gra a graven image, second commandments right there. But if your God can be burnt, <laughs> it's the wrong God. You know, if, you're, if your God can be sifted to powder and thrown in water and drank, it's the wrong God, you know, essentially. And you force him to drink it, can't reuse that gold again, right? Uh, you know, think about that. There's no way that gold is getting used again. So um, verse 21, and, and Moses said to Aaron, uh, what did this people do to you? that you have brought so great a sin upon them. So the 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 focus goes, so God, Moses goes in and he takes away what has been made. He, he deals with the big thing first. But then as soon as that thing's gone and nobody can touch it anymore and all that stuff, now he's going to, uh, who is responsible for this? When I left in Genesis, uh, sorry, in Exodus 24, I left Moses, uh, Aaron and, and her in charge. And he goes straight to his brother Aaron and says, "What what did you do? What did they do to you to make you uh, uh, sin and and uh, and to lead them uh, in sin? You know that a great sin upon them brought so uh, great a sin upon them." So look at Aaron. Aaron says, "Do not let the anger of my lord become hot. You know the people that they are set on evil. For they said to me, 'Make us gods.'" 
that shall go before us. As for this Moses, this man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And I said to them, whoever has any gold, let them break it off. So they gave it to me. I cast it in the fire, and this calf came out. It's a lie. <laughs> That's a lie right there, right? He was left in charge. There's, a, there's an accountability for Aaron and his actions here because he is the one that, as Aaron said, that brought so great a sin upon the people by not sticking to the word of God, that he was neglecting his, uh, his duties as their leader and, uh, and, and led them into uh, grave sin. You know, this is a very, um, very uh, this wasn't just a small thing here. This was, this was quite a big thing here. Uh, so th these guys were there uh, if there was any difficulty. When, if you look back at 24, uh, they were left there like, hey, if there's any great difficulty, Moses, uh, sorry, Aaron and her, they can take care of any disputes that are happening and everything. They're the ones that we're leaving in charge here. And, and, but what we see here is they were weak and, and buckled and let the people have their sinful way. It's a leadership failure. And uh, when he's confronted with his failure, what does Aaron do? Blame the people. <laughs> Blame the people. Uh, you know, we're going to see this a little later on in our study, right? When, uh, when uh, Samuel goes up to uh, Saul and he says, weren't you told to utterly uh, just wipe everything out? You know, uh, all of the Amalekites out. And uh, yeah, oh, I have. What's this bleeding of sheep and everything? Well, the people. Are you king or are you not? You know, are you, are you the one in charge or, or what? So uh, Aaron here in his reply, he blames the people. He blames the fire and then lied about how uh, the, the, the gold calf just came out. Like it was, a, you know, a, um, a, a miracle from the Lord that this thing just came out and was uh, uh, just, you know, it even says uh, that uh, in uh, what, what verse were we here that, that he, he was the one that um, put it together here. Um, so anyways, yeah, I don't have it in front of me here. But it even says that, that Aaron was the one that, that molded. What's that? Verse 4, thank you. Verse 4 says that, that Aaron was the one uh, that even shaped it and, and molded it. So uh, there's, there's no way he can, he can get out of that. So notice he didn't include himself in any of this. He didn't say, yeah, you know what? I did. I did sin. He is point, he's got all his fingers pointed at other people. Um, you know, Guys, we need to own our own faults. <laughs> we need to just own it. When we, when we do something wrong, just own it. Because what are we going to do? Pull wool over God's eyes? Like, oh, maybe maybe he was paying attention to something else. There's a lot going on over here, over there. Maybe God wasn't paying attention. You know, that's that's how sin will lie to us. Own up to him. Confess him and forsake him, right? First John 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, uh, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. My favorite. I love that. Just confess it. But what does Aaron do? I'm going to blame the people. I'm going to blame the fire. And I'm going to lie about how this thing came about. Verse 21. It says, uh, verse 21 said that he had brought so great a sin upon them. Aaron and her uh, should have corrected the people. They had the authority of God and Moses and they failed to use their authority properly. So uh, the wrath of God uh, would have eliminated Aaron, but Moses interceded for him. Deuteronomy uh, chapter 9, Moses said it. In verse 20, he says, And the Lord was very angry with Aaron and would have destroyed him. So I prayed for Aaron also at the same time. God would have wiped Aaron out. But in his grace, he didn't. And Moses stepped in and, and asked the Lord not to, not to wipe him out. There, this, for anybody to say there, that God is just a God of wrath uh, in the Old Testament doesn't understand how gracious he really was and is, right? So Moses immediately, as soon as, soon as the golden calf has been done away with, immediately goes to hold leadership accountable. Uh, and that's an important thing for anybody uh, to do if you're in a, a position of leadership uh, like that. Verse 25. Now when Moses saw that the people were unrestrained, for Aaron had not restrained them uh, to their shame among their enemies, then Moses stood in the entrance of the camp and said, Whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered 
themselves uh, together to him. Uh, Proverbs 29.18 says, Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law. You know, where there's no revelation, people are going to cast off restraint. Oh, there's no uh, nobody here to keep us accountable to the word. Then uh, what happens? Uh, the restraint, uh, everybody loses the restraint is what Proverbs 29, 18 says. So after all they did, they'd experienced, they had uh, experienced deliverance from Egypt. Uh, as we talked about earlier, the pillar of smoke and fire, miraculous provision uh, of food, uh, coming from the sky, water coming from a rock, amazing thunderings and lightnings and sound of the trumpet and uh, the, the mountain smoking. And, you know, people are standing afar off and saying, you speak with God and, 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 uh, and we will hear, uh, but do not let God speak with us lest we die. You know, th those people that had, had experienced all those things uh, were now were, were unrestrained. They had seen all these things, they'd experienced all these things, and they were so quick, as the Lord said, uh, to turn away from him. So Moses says, hey, whoever's on uh, the Lord's side, come to me. And they're, on, uh, they're now standing with Moses, verse 27, and he said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, let every man put his sword on his side and go in and out from entrance to entrance throughout the camp. And let every man kill his brother, every man kill his companion, and every man his neighbor. So the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses, and about 3,000 men of the people uh, fell that day. Those 3,000 that took place, took part in what was happening in that, uh, were, were killed. They, they lost their lives because of their idolatry. You know, they were clearly involved in this, and, and it led uh, to them dying, and it led to leading people uh, into sin and introducing this type of pagan um, conduct to them. Verse 29, then Moses said, Consecrate yourselves today to the Lord, that he may bestow on you a blessing this day, for every man has opposed his son and his brother. Now it came to pass on the next day that Moses said to the people, You have committed a great sin. So now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. Then Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh, these people have committed a great sin and have made for themselves a God of gold. Yet now, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, I pray, blot me out of your book, which you have written. So Moses is, is I mean, think of how, remember, he just went down and his anger is, is hot, right? And, and he's got to deal with this and, and grinding that thing down to powder, making him drink this. And he goes and he gets right in his brother's face and goes, what did you do? Look what you did. And he's, he's talking about this and Aaron doesn't know what to do. So Aaron, you know, wants to crawl into back into his turtle shell. Uh, and, and Moses isn't letting him do it. And as he's, as he's, you know, hopping around and saying that, you know, in, in lying and everything, it, Moses knows. And, uh, you know, so things, things are, are being uh, set straight here. So Moses then uh, takes those uh, that we know as at least 3,000 men, uh, and, and they lose their lives because of what they did. You know, Moses, the, the Levites, uh, came over to him, and, and uh, they uh, executed them uh, as they should have. That, that was a, a very grave sin uh, that they had, uh, that they had uh, taken part of, and, and uh, demanded uh, to be um, uh, taking place. So now we see Moses making intercession for the people who had who had sinned, and uh, what we see here is a a picture of uh, of Christ, right? That he was willing to take on the punishment for them. I can say this: that I don't know that. Um, I, I I was listening to another. I was listening to Joe Foch, and I remember him saying about this. He's like. I love you guys, <laughs> but I don't know that I won't, don't want to go to heaven on your account. You know, it was that. I mean, think of think of the shepherd's heart in him. That's the Holy Spirit in that man. That's that's the Holy Spirit doing a, a amazing work in in that man's life. So much so that he goes to the Lord and says, "God, if it means that they'll, you'll you know save them uh, from the wrath, uh, then uh, let my name be blotted out of the book which you have written." Right. 
You know, think of think we. It, your mind's probably going to when Paul said in Romans three, "For I uh, could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh." The Lord uh, Jesus said in uh, Luke twenty three, verse thirty four, uh, the first half of that. So then Jesus said, "Father, forgive them, for they know they do not know what they do." You know, Jesus making intercession even. Uh, for them as they're as they're killing him, as they're nailing him and and, and torturing him, you know that that Jesus's response would be intercession for them. So they committed great and deliberate uh, sin against the Lord. They knew uh, the commandment and rejected it. Right, Exodus twenty verses two through six say this: I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Now they they knew this. They were uh, given these things and they chose their desire over the word of God. Verse 3, uh, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down before them. And I'll just stop there uh, from there. In, in ver I know I said to verse 6. I meant uh, to the middle of verse 5 there. So uh, they chose their own desires over God. They knew it was wrong. And here is, here is Moses in front of the Lord interceding for them. Lord, if you would save them, please do it. Right? Think, think of how powerful this really was. For him to go up and say, God, you can write, you can blot my name out. You can take my name out. Just save these people. You know, Consider God's book of names. Psalm 69 verse 28 says, Let them be blotted out of the book of the living and not are written uh, with the righteous. This is one of my favorite verses in all the scripture. Uh, Malachi 3.16. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. Think of how many times we've done this, guys. Think of how many times in a, in a, uh, a deep conversation between uh, you know, believers. Th think of this as I read it, okay? Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who feared the Lord and who meditate on his name. Those conversations about how God, how, how great God is, how good he is. Man, I love being in the scripture. I, I learned these things. God is paying very special attention to uh, everything that we're doing. Philippians 4.3 says, And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel. With Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Revelation 3.5 says, He who overcomes shall be clothed with white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. I don't want my name blotted out of a book. And there's Moses in front of the Lord saying, Spare them, Lord, if, even if it means my name being blotted out. Chew on that. That's a, that's a tremendous thing for somebody to do for somebody else. Verse 33, and the Lord said to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot him out of my book. Moses, I appreciate it, <laughs> but, you know, God is God, uh, and he knows what is best. That's a sobering verse to look at. You know, whoever sinned against me, I'll blot him out of, out of my book. That was a deliberate sin, and, and they understood that. But, guys, don't let condemnation come from that. Condemnation pointing us away from Jesus Christ is from the wicked one, right? If there, if there is conviction in our heart and it's driving us to Christ, that's from the Lord. That's from the Holy Spirit, okay? If there's another type of condemnation, uh, the Scriptures say there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, right? So if there's no condemnation for us in Christ and there is a condemnation saying, well, you don't belong to him. What are you doing? Do I, how can you say that you bear his name? All those things. Uh, th then that's from the wicked one. But if there's a conviction in our heart that is driving us to the Lord, I'm so heartbroken. I, I'm broken over this and I've got to go to the Lord. That's from the Holy Spirit. We need to be uh, wise and be able to pick that out. Verse 34 says, now, therefore, go lead the people to the place of which I have spoken to you. Isn't that grace? Wow. <laughs> wow. They weren't just consumed like that. And we've seen that, right? There were times that the Lord wiped out whoever. 
But we see where he could wipe out even more. Uh, the Lord is saying, he, the Lord is talking about the place that he promised. Behold, my angel shall go before you. Nevertheless, in that day, when I visit for punishment, I will visit punishment upon them for their sin. So God being faithful to them uh, and to fulfill his promises, even despite their failure. says, my angel, you know, a Christophany of Christ being there with them, right? Consider God's wrath and consider uh, the... Uh, when he calls us in his goodness, calls us to repentance, right? As we're studying in Romans, Romans two verses five through six say, but in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God who will render to each one according to his deeds. I don't want anything to do with God's wrath on the day of wrath. I'd rather just take, the grace and mercy and, and rest in that. Verse 35. So the Lord plagued the people because of what they did with the calf, which Aaron had made. This was, this was big news. This, this was a very uh, a big um, discrepancy in, in, in their lives. Uh, a very big act of disobedience. And uh, there was a lot that happened there. Uh, and the Lord says that he it says that they plagued him um, because of what they did. Now, uh, in the book of Nehemiah, chapter nine, I'm going to read to you from verses 16 through 20. You can turn there if you'd like. Um, but if not, it will probably be uh, up there. But Nehemiah, chapter nine, uh, the priests are uh, confessing uh, their sins and uh, worship is being restored. So they're, they're standing up in an elevated spot, which we've talked about recently, uh, confessing uh, the sin of Israel. So Nehemiah 9 verse 16 says, but they and their fathers acted proudly. So they're speaking about their own uh, predecessors. And it says they and, uh, and our fathers acted proudly, hardened their necks and did not heed your commandments, confessing to the Lord the, uh, the, these things. Verse 17, they refused to obey and were not mindful, they were not mindful of your wonders that you did among them, but they hardened their necks. And in their rebellion, they appointed a leader to return to their bondage. But you are God, ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abundant in kindness, and did not forsake them. Even when they made a golden calf for themselves and said, this is your God that brought you out of uh, up out of Egypt and worked great provocations. Yet in your manifold mercies, you did not forsake them in the wilderness. The pillar of cloud did not depart from them by day to lead them on the road, nor the pillar of fire by night to show them light and the way they should go. You also gave them your good spirit to instruct them and did not withhold your manna from their mouth and gave them water uh, for their thirst. You know, if that doesn't speak of the grace and mercy of God, right? These are these are children of, of, of Israel that, that came long after this. And what they're saying is, is, yeah, you had every right to wipe them out, but you didn't. You had every right to leave them and abandon them there, and, and uh, but you still fed them. You still led them. You still uh, love them and cared for them. You know, so much so they gave them manna from heaven and water uh, for their thirst. We're getting into Exodus 33 next week, but I want to share verses 3 and 4 with you. There's a command from the Lord. It says, Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. And when the people heard this bad news, they mourned, and no one put on his ornaments. They realized, wait, we messed up big time. Big time. And what that did. You know, they're going to get that bad news, right? No more time for celebration. No more time for acting the fool. Uh, this is, uh, this is you know, what they were doing here is now they're realizing, whoa. <laughs> they're mourning and they won't even put on their ornament. You know, whatever Israel received uh, from the Lord, they deserve. But God's grace can't be denied as we're looking at several different accounts that spoke of how gracious God was when he could have just wiped him out in his wrath and in his anger. 
God is so gracious, so good to us. Let's pray. Father, uh, we thank you for this account. Lord, there are so many things that we can dive so heavy into and how quick they were for their hearts to depart from you. And Lord, that they were, uh, they, uh, their lives were polluted. And God, there was a lack of leadership to lead them in your way. Their hearts had departed from you and they, their hearts desired to go back to Egypt. They even say this later on and we're going to see as we're studying through. Just the hearts you know, longing to return to the bondage that they knew rather than the freedom they have in you. Lord, we recognize these things in our own lives, lives in our own hearts. Lord, let this not be said of us. Let it not be true. Uh, Lord, let us uh, take our thoughts captive and bring them into the obedience of Christ. Lord, that your Holy Spirit would have your way in us. Holy Spirit, please, please have your way in us. We need you. If there's anything we're holding on to, Lord, take it from us. We give it to you. Oh, Lord, we want to experience your blessings. We don't want anything to do with your wrath. We want to experience the blessing that you have in this life and in the next. Thank you for your grace, your mercy, and your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.